0: Mr. Chacha Pinks, you are listening to Behind
1: Yes, you are listening to Behind the Lens. Welcome back to yet another edition. We are now, what, midway through July, and Brian is here today. He came today. You're here, aren't you? Are you there?
2: I am here. Hello? Hello. Me? I can hear you. I can't hear myself.
1: I can't. So, you know, before we jump into the show, and, and anybody that's been following, you know, our very special guest today, live at the Midway Point, is the one and only Mary Lou Henner. Uh, I'm very excited to have Mary Lou as a guest today. Um, but D23 just happened over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Were you following it, Brian?
2: I was following it. I I never want to go to those events just because they're kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did follow uh, a lot of the news coming out of there, predominantly the Star Wars news that was coming mm-hmm. up. We finally have a year that there's a completion date for Star Wars Land. Uh, we had been yes. hearing rumors that it'd be sometime in the middle of this year. And no. I always thought well, 2019. That, I always thought that was a little too uh, too optimistic because that's a lot of construction that they still have to do. But 2019 is when it's going to open up. Yes. Uh, but staying with Disneyland news, today is the first day that we get Phantasmic or Phantas the, the water show. Phantasma. Science, Phantasma back. Yeah. Today's the first day that that's coming back in Disneyland, as well as the railroads are opening up next week.
1: Very nice. Which
2: I have been waiting for for the past two years.
1: Well, yeah. Once the railroads open up, I'll go back.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. That is, I mean, we, we have a mutual love for, for those railroads. Just not oh, even, yeah. Not even a thing of just getting around the park, but uh, that's how I I used to love ending my days at Disneyland. is just sitting was on sitting
1: the... sitting on, yeah, sitting on the train and riding it around the park.
2: Yep. And then I remember the first time I did that, I was completely taken aback by the by the... By the Grand Canyon scenes. I didn't know that that was at the end of the, the train ride when they take you t- through. Yes. I didn't know that. Oh. And so when we were approaching that dark corridor and then there were like those zoo-like um, displays on the side, mm-hmm. I was just so enamored with that. And it's been so long since I've been on that that I'm just super excited to go back to Disneyland and catch that. Well, ever.
1: and I'm curious to see if they've upgraded.
2: You know what? A part of me hopes they did Any of those dioramas. Yeah. A, a part of me hopes that they didn't. I hope I hope not. I hope they're they're still cheesy looking. I, cuz I love that. That's It's <laughs> there's no other way of of enjoying that. I mean, you're you know, going by so fast. I hate to
1: say it, but I would never use the word cheesy to describe anything Disney.
2: Oh, it's cheesy. And it's the only thing that they do that's cheesy. Everything else is magic. I think in that one, it's meant to look that way to entertain the kids that are on the train. But you know, but
1: it's not cheesy. Consider when consider when those were made and the technology at the time. I mean, that is original diorama from 1955.
2: Oh, yeah. That's why I hope they don't touch it. Yeah. I, I absolutely enjoy it. And today is actually, uh, or is it today? I think it is today, the day that Disneyland opened its doors, 62 years ago. Yep. July
1: people. 17th, 1955.
2: Yep. So we're 62 years into into those dioramas being there. That's,
1: yes. Yes. But yes, as I was saying, very thrilled to have Mary Lou Henner joining us live. Um, originally, Ed Begley Jr. was going to join us, too, but... But he actually is out shooting today, so Ed will be with us next week. Um, But Mary Lou and Ed are both co-starring in a new film called Imperfections from writer-director David Singer. Um, And we're going to talk all about that film with Mary Lou with the hat at the midway point. But before then, there is another film that's opening this Friday uh, called Landline. Landline is... Co-written Gillian Robespierre and Elizabeth Home, and directed by Gillian, stars Jenny Slate, John Turturro, Edie Falco, and relative newcomer Abby Quinn. Uh, I sat down and did interviews with Gillian and Elizabeth the other day. Um, I've done so many interviews in the past with Jenny Slate that I that I did not want to hog her time and opted to speak with. Abby Quinn, and I am so glad I did. She is a breath of fresh air, her effervescence, her ebullience. She loves the film. She loves the craft of acting, and it was a real joy to sit down with her. The story basically, it's set in 1995, and it's a family that uh, their only means of communication really, that's the day of landlines. There weren't cell phones. There were landlines. And one of the worst punishments that a teenager could ever get would be to have their landline ripped out of their bedroom. uh, Which is one of the things that happens to Abby's character of Allie. Jenny Slate's character, she's the older sister, she's engaged. uh, Her fiancé is played by none other than Jay Duplass. uh, But she has her own issues going on. And then mom and dad kind of don't communicate. Um, Everybody has their own thing going on. But uh, it's it's a very interesting analysis at uh, human interaction and engagement within a family, uh, complete with sibling bickering, parent-child bickering, husband-wife bickering. Feels really normal, yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, I know what you're saying.
1: Really normal, uh, and the detail of, of the production design uh, by the fabulous Kelly uh, McGeehey. Who does the majority of Oren Moverman's production design? Kelly has just recreated the time period in terms of apartments and uh, a rave scenario. A lot of detail and thought went into this, and makes it for a most enjoyable and entertaining film. But the my interview with Abby was so entertaining, and her and as I said, her exuberance is just overflowing. So I wanted all of you to hear our complete interview. So here it is. It's about 20 minutes. Uh, Abby Quinn, who plays Allie in Landline.
3: I just got a Twitter, so I'm open
1: for anyone tweeting at me. No one has yet. Trust me, people are going to tweet at you. After they see this film, Uh, you are brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. And you'll you'll laugh because it's like I've interviewed Jenny in the past. Yes. And when I put it for the press day, they said, well, who do you want to talk to? I said, I want Abby. No. They said, do you want Jenny? I said, no, I want Abby. You're kidding. I kid you not. What? That's crazy. I kid you not. Oh, my God. Thank you. You Your performance (laughs) is so authentic, Uh so genuine. And... Uh, you blew me away with what My you God. brought to Allie.
3: Thank you. That's so nice.
1: And it's even more amazing because you weren't even born in 1995. No, mm-mm. I was born in 1996.
3: <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. But it didn't feel like I don't know. I know it's based in the 90s, and but I think a lot of it that helps with that is like the costumes and the sets. But reading the script, I wasn't like, oh, this is clearly based in a different era. Um, except for the music references, I didn't know, or I'd heard of them, but I hadn't really listened to a lot of them. Um, but yeah, I think it could be. Hopefully, the script could be like in any time period or current, and it would work. I told I told
1: Gillian, I interviewed her, Elizabeth earlier, and I told him that's one of the beautiful things about this film. Yeah, the timelessness of it. Yeah, it could be in set in the third. It could be a story in the thirties. It It totally could be. Yeah, it could be a story today. Yep. Just take out all the electronics. Right. Don't let them come in. Yeah, but it could very easily. It could yeah, be an Amish community today. We would
3: love to see it in the 30s, and like she discovers letters or something instead of on the computer. That's cool. Maybe we yeah. can do
1: a. I don't know, spinoff. Um, that'd be cool. But wow. that's the beauty of this of the story. Yeah. So I, I can just imagine what you thought when you were reading the script.
3: Yeah, I was freaking out. I had um seen Obvious Child like two weeks before just randomly. I Mm. was like sitting in a coffee shop on Amazon and I recognized Jenny Slate because I I loved Jenny Slate like even before watching Obvious Child. Um, So I immediately clicked on it and watched it and then I got the audition like two weeks later and yeah. I mean like with anything I think I get an audition, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to go in for it, but that's it. Like, I'm not going to get it. I don't think I've ever gone into anything, like, sure of it, um, no matter how much I like it or feel comfortable in the character. But specifically for this, I was like, that's just way too good. There's just something (laughs) off about this. Like, they're going to pick someone who, you know, is really famous or just someone completely different than I am. So not like any part of me thought that I was going to get it which is pretty amazing and then you did and then I did um but like six weeks went by after the audition and then I went to a callback and it was I think the callback was the day before my birthday and then I flew to my one of my older brothers was living in Boulder at the time and I flew there the next day on my birthday and just for like two days straight I would not stop talking about it and I felt so annoying but I was just like you know when you just bring up stuff, but there's nothing to say about it. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I bet they're at dinner, right? Now. Like, the, they're all talking about it. Like, it was just, I couldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> I was like, what well, I'm probably not going to get it, you know? It was a weird way to spend my birthday, just, like, totally consumed with... But then you got a post-birthday gift. I did. Oh, my God. I think I found out, like, a week after my birthday. It was just the best three months of my life. <laughs> um, filming and auditioning, like, everything.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, what I love, what you bring to Allie is there's this wise behind, wise beyond her years, and we feel this maturity, and your interactions, especially with Edie, mm-hmm. are just so resonant. I think that's another aspect of the film that yeah. the mother-daughter conflicts yeah. have been since the beginning of time.
3: Yes. I agree. Yeah. And um, my, I was never... I think I'm pretty different from Allie. Like, I'm not... I have a hard time with confrontation and, like, just with the smallest of things. Like, and same with my mom. So, we, like, being together, it's... We just end up laughing. Like, we're like, oh, we should... Trying to come up with tactics of ways to deal with things that are not, like, the right... You know, Uh. it takes months to get somewhere with us because we're, like, having to make sure everyone else is okay. So, being playing Allie where it's like she can just stare at someone and like yell the C word at them which I literally had never I don't think I'd ever said it before (laughs) like truly I was like oh that's like a and I swear but I'm just like that's a nasty word like I just don't like that word um but I think between the mom and the daughter it still feels like I'm really close with my mom but there's always we had like a rough patch when I was in high school and it was Bad For some reason, I was getting my phone taken away all the time. And I, I just started dating someone. And that's, like, the reason I got my phone back. Because I was like, Mom, he wants to drive me home and I need my phone. Like, <laughs> it was bad. And I was like, he wants to text me. And I was actually texting him off of my friend's phone. Like, it was just so complicated and rough between us for, like, two and a half years. Um, But now, I went to college for a year. And I think that separation between us. Like I would go back home and it was like that none of that happened Mm -hmm. because I think beneath all of it, there was a love and it was just like, we both love each other so much, but you know, that'll, that gets brought out of anyone that's Mm -hmm. in a house with the 16 year old who is like hormonal and wants to nothing to do with you or so I got to draw upon like the experiences I had in high school, which were not that long ago. And then also the way. That we are now, mm-hmm. um, and then on top of it, like being a character who has no problem saying how she feels to anyone.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's just your the vocal inflection that you bring. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, I could hear disdain working <laughs> from your voice in oh so many God. scenes, uh-huh. and I just thought that was fabulous. But to hear that come out of you. At mm-hmm. this, especially at this stage of your career, yeah. I, I mean that shows <laughs> that shows true talent. Abby. Thank you. That's hard to thank you. Hard to get the vocal intonations right. Yeah,
3: I honestly don't know. I I think it was like a really. Um, it's obviously in there somewhere for me, but I was like so untapped that as soon as I like found a way into the story and the character, it just kind of like came out of me and I didn't really feel like oh sorry someone came in Um, but yeah I guess I'll, I didn't really have like a a way of getting there it was just sort of like understanding why I'm saying these things and who I am mm-hmm. as the character Um, but yeah
1: thank you so much for yeah. saying that and of course you know we get to see you in a rave yeah which and I have to say I mean that was Chris shot that thing so beautifully yeah he did yeah. But, you know, that was... Because I understand that you have done Irish dancing in your Just, past. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's slightly different it is than so what different. you were doing
3: in a ring. Yes. Okay, so I Irish danced from, like... probably took my first class when I was five, and then I quit when I was, like, 14. So I was doing it three days a week, two hours. Okay. So that was, like, it. You're a female Michael Filey. <laughs> right. Well, I tried to be. I was... Um, but, like, that's really, and still, like, I, I can dance, but it's weird. Like, I don't, now I can move my body, but I'm not, like, a cute dancer. I can't, like, get people to come to me with my dancing, but I dance. But in this mood, like, for that scene, I was so nervous. I was like, Gillian, I can't d- dance. Like, I cannot look like I'm in a rave. It's just not going to happen. And so we literally, she just would come up to me like, probably six times being like, Abby, why don't you just throw your arms in the air? So for like a whole take, I was just doing this. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. And there's so many people around. There are like 50 extras who are my age. And I'm like, this is horrifying. Like this is, out of anything I have to do in this movie, like I was literally the most uncomfortable in that scene because we had to keep doing it so many times because I just couldn't dance, which is, like, but embarrassing.
1: Now, did it help because of the fact that Allie had had, had her first experience with age? Mm-hmm. So that could account yeah. for... Yeah, I
3: mean, I think... Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think, like, she's kind of, like, a badass, but I think there are parts of her that are doing things that she's just kind of, like, keeping up with an image or, you know, mm-hmm. my cool friend is doing this, so I'm going to be here... But I don't think she feels co- totally comfortable like mm-hmm. doing those things and being in that environment. So I guess I got to use that a little bit. Like I mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to be.
1: So see, if anybody says anything about your dancing, it's like I was acting. Yeah, I was. No, I, I was supposed to be high, so I was
3: acting. I'm
1: a I really really didn't know. <laughs> yeah. See. Yeah, you can blame anything on. There you go. Yeah, you were getting into character. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's your excuse. Yeah. You know, how, how exciting was it for you? Because this this was, what, your first major... Yes. Your first yeah. major feature. hmm And you're going through the process from the audition to getting yeah. the call to here you are on an indie film. Mm-hmm. You've got Edie Falco. You've got John Turturro as your parents. Uh-huh. You've got Jenny. And you've got the crew. I mean, you've got Chris Teague, who's an yeah. amazing cinematographer. He's amazing. Kelly, the production designer. Yeah. Just, Kelly is... I love Kelly's work.
3: Yeah. It was amazing. It was stunning. Like, I walked into the bedroom the first time and just, like, my mind was blown. And that entire day, I don't even think we shot in there, but, like, in between each take, I was just going in. And it was so detailed. And, yeah, I, like, wasn't expecting that. Part mm-hmm. of me was, like, I bet half the wall is going to be blank because it's a movie and we're only shooting in my bed. Like, mm-hmm. but it was so, it was, like, walking into a different world. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't honestly I so I left college to come out here and I when I first moved out here I thought it was just going to be for a year and that I was going to go back to college um and I wasn't really I was auditioning a bunch but I didn't you know I wasn't getting anything and so this came at kind of like the end of that year when I thought I was going to go back to school so um yeah it was like a shock for me and I think I was just shocked pretty much like throughout the whole process and now it's hitting me because I'm talking about Mm -hmm. it and, um, I'm seeing it and other people are seeing it. But for a long period of time, it was kind of like, wow, I had this amazing experience with these people that I have no idea how I was acting with John Turtur. Like it blows my mind. And that Edie Falco was just like sitting next to me, reading a newspaper in between takes. And I was like, you know, like there were many times when I, we would all be sitting in a room, the four of us, um... And I was like, I cannot, you know, even if they're not talking to me right now, like I can't be on my phone. I can't be reading a book because then they're not going to be, you know, I'm going to like close myself off to these people that I might never sit with again or like mm-hmm. work with again. Um, so it was a lot of that just being like, like recognize where you are. Cause it's really easy to, at the end of this feel like mm-hmm. it was completely like got past me,
1: um, Did it feel like, you know, kind of like, was it a great learning experience for Mm you? Just watching John and Edie and Jenny. Yeah. But, you know, you get vet, especially John and Edie, though. Yeah. Those veterans that have done drama, comedy. Right. Everything. Yeah.
3: It was. And they didn't have to say, like, I don't think with anyone there wasn't a specific lesson that they taught me. You know, they didn't, like, sit me down and give me the rules of the business. It was more just, like being in scenes with them and learning that way. But then also watching them when I wasn't in the scene, you know, it's like mm-hmm. when you watch a play, you're learning from everything. But mm-hmm. now I get to see you guys do this like 15 times and every time was different. And every time, cause when you watch them, you don't really like have any doubt that they're that person or that they're actually feeling those things. And so to watch that, it was just like, Man, it has to be different every time, and no matter how exhausting that is, it can't, it's gonna show if it's like you know just stale acting. And like the three of them are the opposite of that. Um, so yeah, I just like but it made you up yeah. your game. Oh, totally. I was like, but I feel like, um, because I had had the script for so long, and even when I didn't have the part, I was still thinking about it and like that character, so. I kind of feel like I had a lot of things ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. And so, for probably like the first week of shooting, I was relying on what I felt like I already knew. And I wasn't, I was just too nervous to like do anything outside of what I felt was right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, everyone else is like, they're, they're like interesting to watch because they're doing that and they're just having fun. I don't, and it's as stupid as, or like, small as that sounds, it's really, to me, it's like, I don't know, the, the more rigid I am about acting or, like, anything, um, in terms of a character, everything gets sucked out of it for me, and it's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't feel like anything's behind it. Um, so yeah, they just kind of further instill this freedom in acting,
1: which I think is really important. So did you find a technical aspect of the shoot? Mm-hmm. Fascinating For your yeah. first time. Yeah, <laughs> I did.
3: I mean, I guess, like, the other stuff that I've worked on, I didn't feel, I was in no way, like, as involved mm-hmm. as I was in this. So, I would get, like, little glimpses of things, but no one was really, like, telling me what was happening. But with this, yeah, it was, like, it kind of blew my mind, because I'm, I'm so used to doing theater and I, in, like, musical theater, just how long it takes to shoot a scene And you really have to... I think that's, like, a muscle that you have to work and that um, Edie and John and Jenny definitely have developed. It's, like, you have to just preserve some part of yourself throughout the day and just throughout that take or that scene because you have to do it, like, maybe 20 times. And it still has to be, like... Fresh and... Yeah, yeah. which is crazy. It's, like... It's, yeah, it's kind of mind-blowing that that happens. It's, like, so immediate And so that, I think, to me, it was just like, wow. It was like the inner workings of something that that I had never seen before.
1: (laughs) So all in all, you're just blown away by the whole experience (laughs) of making
3: this film. Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's ever, like, gonna settle with me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just, like, genuinely, not freaked out, but I am just, like, still blown away that I was able to, like, be with these people and have a film that... Because so many films are made and no matter how proud of them or, you know, how ma- no matter how much you love them um, or want them to be seen by people, the reality is that they're not. So this, you know, having such a good experience, being with these people and then the fact that it's actually going to be able to be seen by anyone, it's crazy. <laughs> like, I, that's what I feel really lucky about now, just that I love... What we did, and I'm, and it could have very easily gone nowhere. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like where I'm at now, just that people are going to be able to watch it is, yeah.
1: So, so now the big amazing. question. Yes. You've got a sex scene in there, you're doing drugs. Yeah. You use the, the See You Next Tuesday word. Yeah. Um, uh, ha- has your family seen this? Yes. They, so did you sit and watch it with
3: them? Okay, so <laughs> my. Yeah, my not my whole family. So, my three siblings, my mom, and my stepdad. My two stepsisters weren't at Sundance, but everyone else was, and they were sitting two rows behind me. And originally, they wanted me to sit with them, and I was like, uh, "No, guys, you can. I'm going to sit with the cast. You can do this on your own." But I kind of told my mom what was going to happen, but she's like a very vocal. You know, when she deals with, like, something that's uncomfortable, she just goes, oh, like, so, like, that sort of thing. And literally, like, when the sex scene happened, it was just, oh, like, a yelp in the background. I'm like, oh, my God, stop. And then sort of, like, laughter. But I didn't really tell my brothers, and they're older than me. Like, it's weird. But we're all pretty open, but we have not addressed, like, that point blank since then. And my stepdad hasn't either... But everyone's kind of, like, cool with it. But, yeah, it was, like, I'm really nervous for my Nana to see it. I haven't... Oh. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's going to be weird. Even the trailer. The trailer, I'm, like, I think there are three different, like, making out scenes. And I could just tell. I saw her, like, two weeks ago when I was home. And she just said, like, something about the trailer. But I could just feel. I was, like, oh, no. Like, she wants to say something about... They, or she's thinking about it. Um, so I'm nervous for her to see it. And also just, like, people that I went, you know, that I, like, knew when I was younger. Just, like, have, seeing me have sex. That's almost weirder for me than, like, my relatives. <laughs> like, people that I, <laughs> This sounds weird, but, like, in a movie, it's, I don't know. It's so intimate and, like,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm nervous for people to see More nervous tonight. about that than them seeing you dance, huh? He, well, that's
3: because I think, because the way that the dance was cut, you I don't think you can, like, it kind of just seems like I'm moving my shoulders or something. But if they were there watching it being filmed, I, it would have been one of the most embarrassing
1: moments. <laughs> you just tell them to concentrate on the drunken pool scene. What? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm going to, like, take them all out of the theater for the dance scene or something and then bring him back. See, in. you yeah. know,
1: that's what you can do. You can do it for the sex scene or pass out blindfolds to yeah. them,
3: something like yeah. that. I'm gonna have to monitor everyone that goes to this movie from my past. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's always that's always the tough part. Yeah, it is. Ah, so now yeah. what I, what is the gift that acting gives to you? You've done theater, mm-hmm. now you've got your big feature mm-hmm. film debut. Yeah. You're holding your own against Jenny Slate, Edie Falco, and John Turturro. Mm-hmm. This is no slouchy first film here. No. So you know what is the gift that acting gives to you? Yeah. That pushes you forward. I think it's
3: it's totally changed throughout different moments in my life. I think when I was a kid, like one of the first things that I ever did was sing, and I was, you know, like walking around singing Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. My dad really loved that music when I was like a baby. So when I was three, I was kind of, I was just like fascinated with putting on a different voice and costumes and like performing for people. So I think when I was a kid, it was sort of a way, yeah, it was a way of like expressing myself that I wasn't, and getting attention from these people and feeling like loved by it. I think that's what happened, um, you know, when I was, like, a toddler up until the age of 10. And then after that, I started getting more serious about it, and I was doing all the school plays. And now I'm in a really interesting period of my life where it's, like, acting um, totally, even if I don't get the job, it's, like, a, just a total relief from everything else that I'm experiencing and everything... Yeah, just that's going on in my life. Even if, if it's for like five minutes and I'm able to sit with a person, no matter how nervous I am that I'm in a casting, it's like I get to spend my whole day preparing for it and being this person. And it's literally like a way to move past whatever I'm dealing with. And I tr- I like do- don't know what I would be doing without both of those two things. It would be very scary. Like even if I was a doctor, I think I'd be performing for my... Pay- like, Singing to them or, like, putting on skits, you know, <laughs> like, and being weird about it. Because I just, it's so in me that mm-hmm. it, I never even had to, like, question why or if I should keep doing it. Um, so, <laughs> what's next? Um, so, I'm not supposed, I just heard that I'm not supposed to actually say, but that it's big and that oh, I think an announcement's going to be made in, like, a week or two. Whatever it is, is filmed in August. Um. <laughs> so, so well, I know you've t- got...
1: Ra- Radium Girls is in yeah. post already.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm going to do ADR, I think, when we go to New York in, like, mm-hmm. a couple days. Um, so, you're like going to do all that. this fun stuff now. ADR yes.
1: and yeah. all the
3: stuff you don't do in theater. No, but I do hope I can go back to theater someday. At least, I'd really love to do, like, a... Have you seen the musical once? Yeah. Yeah, yes. like, if they... Bring that back. I don't know if it's still on Broadway. If it ever to- Like,
1: that's just totally something that I was up my alley, I think. I, I, I think you're going to find a happy medium between film and theater. Yeah. Once you get more of a footing with film, you can. I really yeah. think you're going to be able to navigate between the two. Because hey. you're, th- you're that good, Abby. Oh, you, my God. you really are. Thank you. And oh, I think baby, daddy, we
0: love
1: you. I cannot wait for people to see you in this film. Because oh, I man. think once people see you in this film, mm-hmm. the phone's gonna ring a lot more.
3: <laughs> I hope.
1: And, and that was Do you have me turned back on, Brian?
2: Yeah, we are back.
1: Oh, we are back. Well, and now you can see she is just she is a delight. Abby is fabulous. So for any Fans of Abby Quinn, fans of Jenny Slate, Edie Falco, John Turturro, Landline opens this Friday, the 21st. And once you see Abby, she really wants people to tweet for her. She she really is afraid nobody will ever want to use her Twitter account and send her tweets. So you can find her on Twitter at Abby Quinn, yeah, Y-E-A-H. So, and that's exactly what you'll be saying after you see her in landline as a moody, angsty teen battling her mother, battling her sister, and then more or less consoling her older sister. um, Abby really runs the gamut and she is, she is somebody to put on your radar. She is a face to watch. I, I can't say enough about her talent as an actress. And as you can hear, she is just, she's a pure delight as a, as a wonderful young lady so I can't wait to talk to her again in the future and yes right now as we're doing this show I think she is in New York doing the ADR for Radium Girls so that's next on up uh, to watch for her so should we take a short break Brian while we're waiting for Mary Lou to call
2: sure we can go ahead and go to break
1: why don't we do a short break while we're waiting for Mary Lou and then we'll be back <laughs>
0: Do you know the value of your property is directly influenced by your landscape it's called curb appeal poor curb appeal or a bad landscape devalues your property makes it worth less than it could be but a pristine landscape can increase the value of your property 10 20 thirty percent or more. It'll behoove you to have America's most listened to garden expert and master gardener Nick Federoff evaluate your landscape. He'll offer an in-depth analysis on how to plan, improve, or change your landscape within your budget. He's also available to consult with your landscape architect, contractor, and gardener. Use Nick as your personal liaison to help you make the right decisions. For a landscape consultation to increase your curb appeal, call Nick's office at five six. 562-945-6469. That's five six two nine four five six four six nine. Five six two nine four five sixty four sixty nine. Hey neighbor, get some sod put in.
2: Yeah, it's marathon.
0: Yeah, that's what I got. But yours looks so much greener and thicker than mine. What's going on? I'm gonna call the growers. South Sod Farms, may I help you? My Marathon Sod doesn't look as good as my neighbor's. Are you sure yours is Marathon? That's what I asked for. Let me do a computer search. Hmm, we don't have a record of your delivery. You didn't get genuine Marathon Sod. What do you mean? Sometimes unscrupulous contractors, retailers, and other Sod Farms lead you to think they're selling Marathon, but then substitute a lesser brand. That really teased me off. How could I have known I got a cheap imitation? Look for the bold Genuine Marathon label on the sod pallets when they're delivered. Don't get cheated. Look for the Genuine Marathon sod logo displayed by nurseries and landscape contractors at the yellow pages.
1: Or call 1-800-4-MARATHON for a free do-it-yourself video and authorized dealer list. That's 1-800, the number 4, then MARATHON. Or visit the website at
2: www.sod.com. This is the sound of salmonella gyrating on your undercooked chicken. And it looks like mom might be taking it out a little early. Don't let salmonella get funky with your chicken. On average, one in six Americans will get a foodborne illness this year. So use a thermometer to cook each type of meat to the right temperature. Hello. Keep your family safe at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Terry Cruz.
1: Welcome back to Behind the Lens. And I am so excited right now to introduce the wonderful, marvelous Mary Lou Henner. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I am. You know, in 29 years, I have never had a chance to interview you, Mary Lou. So this is a huge thrill for me.
4: Oh, thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. I love it so much.
1: Oh, I fell in love with this movie. Imperfections, but I have to say, you know imperfections be beli- you know belies the quality of the film
4: oh yeah well i mean it's you know it 's a play on the words because the the people are like somewhat imperfect and then of course the it's the uh, it 's kind of like about a diamond person <laughs> you know and it takes place in the jewelry. Uh, Uh, district of Chicago because she's the girl who carries the jewels from one place to another because you can't have a Brinks truck because they get robbed you know yes
1: she's the little schlepper
4: (laughs) yeah she's great the little schlepper yeah oh my (laughs) great
1: this uh, but imperfections you know and of course noticeable also with anybody that knows jewelry and and gems out there um, none of the diamonds that we ever see are referenced within the film itself they're all flawless none of them have any imperfections (laughs)
4: <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, you don't want to give too too much of of the plot away. No. but it's got so many great characters. I mean, you know, Virginia Cull is just fabulous as uh, as the main girl, and um, and of course Zach McGowan. Oh my gosh, he is a star. He's so great. Oh my god, just
1: let's just have him. Just let's let him stay on screen so that we can all just look at him. I
4: know. Oh, right. He's got crazy, rabid fans. Oh, my gosh. They follow me on Twitter now because I said some nice things about him and because I just love him. And you could just, you know, do a whole movie of, of just looking at him with his shirt off. And he's like the nicest family man with these beautiful little children and a fabulous wife. And you just, you're in love with him. You're just in love with him. Well, and his
1: character so. with, within the film, because you play, you play a character named Val. You're the mother to Virginia mm-hmm. Coles Cassidy. You know, and, right. and mothers out there can definitely relate to your character and the frustration with a daughter who she wants to be an actress, but she's not going to be an actress and she really needs to get a career. But in the meantime, right. she, mom takes pity and it's like, you can stay here with me. Uh, right. And then we, right. your love interest is Ed, Ed Bagley Jr., who, who's
4: fantastic, and I've known him for oh. years, so this we've worked together before and just you know felt so good about working together on this as well.
1: And to see the two of you on screen together, we don't get a lot of scenes with you and Ed, but the ones we have, there is a comfort there, there is an ease, and it really plays into your character and her stage in life and what she's looking for. And I have to say. Oh, yeah,
4: absolutely. The look
1: on your face in the kitchen scene where he's doing one household repair for you. And it's like, you know, the light bulb's out in the bathroom and I can't reach it. He's like, oh, let's take care (laughs) of everything tonight. And the look on your face was so priceless in that oh, scene.
4: You. you know it's so funny. I'm so glad you mentioned that scene because it was originally written to be where we're sitting and eating dinner and I said, you know, she's got a man in her house for the first time in a long time. And it's like, oh my gosh, can you do this? Can you do that? You know, and it's like I wanted it to be a make a statement about where they were and there. I'm so glad you noticed that because that was my little suggestion and oh, David was like, yeah, let's do that.
1: That added so much to the relationship. Without wasting yeah. anything on exposition, it was so natural, and it was a perfect follow through, as I said, to later dialogue from you, where you're explaining to, where Val's explaining to Cassidy about what you want in life, and where you get to a certain point right. in life, and you're not looking for the prince riding in on the white horse. You want right, you want exactly. companionship and friendship, and somebody to change those light bulbs for you. <laughs>
4: Right, uh, absolutely. No, I love the mother and daughter relationship so much. You know, she you could tell she was a single mom who raised her for a while, and, and I just felt like there was so much texture. And i got to tell you, David Singer is just not only a brilliant director but and writer, but how about his the music the in music. the film? It's so wonderful. He I, wrote all the music. I mean, he
1: is, and he keeps the music very light. There's a great, There's he has a lovely little lilt to a lot of it, Mm -hmm. That underscores and that there is a lightness, especially with Val and Cassidy and when Ray pops up. But we lose some of the lightness in the scenes in the Diamond District as we see Ed's character, Barry, interacting with his son, Alex, played by Ashton Holmes. And we don't really have any score there. But there's a lot more score with Val and Cassidy.
4: Mm-hmm. And no, the, I loved I love the movie. It's one of my favorite movies I've done. I've done 46 films and this is definitely my top 3. I loved it.
1: I mean, I and I love seeing you in it. What you bring to it. Uh, you know, Thank you. It, it's this I love seeing you in this even more than I love watching you in your Ida Tea Garden Mysteries.
4: Oh, <laughs> yeah, those are fun. I have a blast with those two and they're, you know Hallmark's a great company and great great people and of course playing Candace Cameron Bure's mom I love her so You know how that does
1: well how too. does it feel for you now to you, you have all these mom roles and of course you're a mom to two sons
4: Right and somehow yeah. you're My ending up with 20. all these
1: you're ending up with all
4: these daughters <laughs> Yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? Well, I play, I played the mother of boys a couple times, of sons a couple times, but mostly daughters. I think people are so fascinated by the mother-daughter relationship and, in their own lives and in you know within their own families that it seems, I, it seems like I'm always playing the moms. I've got like a whole list of, of TV and movie daughters that I've I've worked with. It's it's kind of cool.
1: Do you yeah. is there a difference in how you approach mothering a daughter on screen than how you approach mothering a son?
4: Well, I mean, I think with a, a when mothering a son, there's always. I think women tend to let their sons get away with a lot more, <laughs> and so there's something about you know that kind of like overly affectionate or or overly protective. Whereas with a daughter, you you you're a little bit more combative and a little bit more like you know, honey, let me tell you how it is in life, you know, that kind of thing. So um, and wait, let me ask you something. Is this an okay connection? Because I'm hearing like a little. Or do I sound okay oh, to you guys? You
1: sound fine, and my sound engineer, Brian, is giving you a thumbs up, so.
4: Oh, good. Okay, good. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent.
1: No, okay. you sound absolutely good. fabulous.
4: Yeah. Oh, great. So, I'm so um, how did, what How did
1: this project for, uh,
4: for imperfections come to you, Mary Lou? Because this well, is... it's interesting. David wrote it, and he offered it to me. I mean, he just, you know, said, uh, said you know, I, I guess the casting directors put my name on a list, and, and he said, oh, let's see if we can get her. She's my number one choice. And, and I, they sent me the script, and I said, oh, my gosh, I love this character. I love that it shoots in Chicago. I'm, that's my hometown, and I've never shot a film there. You're kidding. In all this time, you've no. never shot a film in Chicago? First time ever. I know. I've done plays there. I've you know, been there a couple times with plays, but I've never done um, a movie there and or of course, even a television show.
1: And, of course, down on Jewelers Row of all places.
4: Yeah, but you see so many great pieces of Chicago, you know, That's the some- lake, and you see the Elves tracks. And, and you see Sandberg Village, where my sister actually lived with her son. Uh, she was a single mom for many years, and we were practically in her apartment, like right you know, in the next building over.
1: I mean, that's one of the beautiful so. things also about this film that David and his cinematographer Drew Weddy do, is they really show us, not the the standard canned images that we see of Chicago, really showed right. us some beautiful architecture and beautiful parts of the city that we don't normally get to see.
4: Right. No, I love it. I loved, I loved the way they shot the film. And And, you know, it's funny. If you talk to David, he says, I don't know what I was thinking with my first movie having O- over 30 speaking parts. <laughs> you know, most <laughs> times people, like, you limit the amount of people, but he really fills it out with all these great character actors and, and all these little scenes and stuff, and, and you get the real texture of the mm-hmm. people. You know, you I'm know. curious, it's because
1: because of your television and film work, and you've worked with first-time directors, seasoned veterans, you know, and now you've got David, his first feature. What was the experience like working with him as a first-time featured director?
4: Well, the thing that's great about David is, you know, I divide the world not by men and women or by people who are, you know, veterans and people who are novices. I divide the world by the big sisters and the big brothers and the little sisters and the little brothers. Aww. And David is definitely a big brother. So he's got a very strong, strong points of view. He knew what he wanted. He was, you know, very hands-on in terms of like the script of course the music and the the whole tone of the film you know but it was so built in i mean i i felt such a connection to this character that i didn't feel you know like oh i'm gonna fight with my director on it we were very much in sync and so it was just a a joy from day one Mm
1: -hmm. do you find that a rarity anymore to be that in sync with a director or do you try and just shy away from projects where you even get a sense that might happen
4: no, I mean I, you know, I sort of I love acting and I love doing all the other things I do from writing and developing projects and stuff and and speaking all over the country. I I look for the character. You know, is the character something that I really you know to c- connect with, and is there something about it that I uh, that I want to say? And I look at the relationship to the other characters in the script.
1: Mm-hmm. So, well, I'm I'm still know, trying. And, and,
4: really spoke to me.
1: I'm still trying to fi- figure out how you find the time to do everything that you do.
4: Uh, <laughs> well, I don't sleep a lot. I'm like a six hour, five and a half, six hour a night kind of person. I mean,
1: over the so. year, I don't think there has ever been a time in your life where you have been idle.
4: Mm, I know. I know. It's, I guess, I, I well, I find those little pockets of things that I really enjoy. You know, people say, well, when are you going to have a vacation? It's like, well, I went to the farmer's market the other day. That felt like a vacation day. <laughs> you know? I'm having 20 people over for dinner. I went to the farmer's market. You know, but no, it's a, I love what I do. I love my family so much. So whenever I can spend time with them, I mean, I do, of course. I have my two boys. They're in the world now. I mean, I have a rising senior at, at uh, Northwestern, so he's in Chicago. and and, uh, and actually, when I was shooting the movie, his buddies were on the set a lot, and we all went to dinner a few times during oh. the shooting days. Yeah, it was great. And I get to Chicago a lot, and I get to New York a lot, too. My other son graduated from Columbia last year, and he's already working in the industry. He just directed a music video, and he also worked on a uh, Netflix series called Godless, which will be out soon.
1: Oh. A part Western. And any ch- he wants to
4: be a director. So.
1: Any chance that uh, you'll have your son directing you anytime soon?
4: Oh, I hope so. I did actually an off-Broadway play that he directed, written by one of his friends. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, and I did a little video for him. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny working with your kids. It's like, oh, my gosh, they're old enough to, like, do these things now. It's incredible.
1: Yes, but now do they still give you paychecks? (laughs)
4: <laughs> no, I've never been paid to work with my kids. <laughs> just, just in like pride. <laughs> my paycheck is pride. <laughs> oh my! Well,
1: something else you should be very proud about, Mary Lewis. Your last, all of your books you've written, especially your last one. Oh, thank I you. Su- I saw yes. you on so many talk shows talking about the book, um, and then I actually I read parts of it because I was just so enamored and so enthralled with the journey that you went on with michael and yeah just absolutely amazing
4: thank you yeah i'm we're really proud of that book that was my 10th book it's called changing normal how i helped my husband beat cancer and it's the whole story of how michael and i reconnected we knew each other in college at the university of chicago we met as freshmen he was my roommate's boyfriend. And, um you know, we didn't dare twinkle in each other's direction, but then years later ran into each other when I was getting married in a courthouse in new Orleans, and, and it's just like twists of fate we were ships passing, and then reconnected fourteen and a half years ago uh he called me out of nowhere after my second divorce was final, and we got together within a week, We're saying, "I love you, you're the love of my life i you know i i'm I'm spending the rest of my life with you and two months later, he was diagnosed with two cancers, bladder cancer and lung cancer. So the book is really the journey that we went through um, and brought him back to health, really, and he did it without, uh, he did, you know, complementary therapies. He did a lot of, he did immunotherapy. He didn't do chemo, radiation. They were telling him that he had to have his bladder cut out and lose his prostate as well and everything else. And, you know, we said let's try a different way, and he's in remission now—thirteen um, and a half years, almost fourteen years.
1: Wow! So it's pretty wow. amazing.
4: Wow! Yeah, I and mean, he's still the love of my life. Although the, the hardest thing we went through was writing the book together. I always make jokes that uh, curing his cancer was easier than writing the book with him. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> what made writing the book so difficult?
4: Was it reliving well, I, I guess it? We have very different writing styles. He writes like a he he writes like a writer, no question about it. He's very you know well read, and he reads all the time. And, and he's very um, he 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 was writing Old Man and the Sea, and I was writing more like a how to. And a, I, I write like a speaker because I do a lot of speaking, mm-hmm. so I'm always conscious of the writer's of the reader's ear, mm-hmm. like as if I'm talking to them and and trying to take them on this journey, you know. And he would, and, and I'm very because of my unusual memory. I, I do things, I don't want to say in a very linear way, but I think in a linear way in terms of, like, revealing a story, like you know, like the, the clock ticking a certain way and there's a pace to it and there's a chronology to it, whereas Michael would have these beautiful tangents, but they had nothing to do with the book. And I'd say, okay, we've lost our reader here. Get back. <laughs> Come on back. You
1: know, so. <gasps> well, and I mean, I still have, sitting in my house, I have Healthy Life Kitchen. That I've had oh, for is, years. I, that's
4: one of my favorite books.
1: I that. Yeah. And I, I, one thing I love how you write because you do write conversationally. Yeah. So it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I, it is I, I
4: like that. I you know.
1: It is like somebody is sitting there talking to you as, as you're reading, and then you see these great recipes, and everything is simple, and everything makes sense. When you write, everything oh. makes sense.
4: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I particularly love that book because it was way ahead of its time in terms of, like, exposing people to certain foods. Mm -hmm. And I literally went and spent three and a half hours in Whole Foods with a little tape recorder going shelf by shelf describing the best products for you to, you know, use for these recipes. So, and there's a whole code system with it, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. We had a team, we tried over 300 recipes, and it was fantastic. It was, it was like a, a, that was the most fun book to write, because, you know, there were so many, it was very PC and and mathy in a way, because it's recipes, but it was a blast to work on.
1: And, of course, you got got to sample everything that you were cooking.
4: Of course, of course. So we'd all take turns. We'd bring in like 20 recipes a day because we wrote it so quickly. We wrote that book, believe it or not, in six and a half weeks. Oh my God. That book was written in six and a half weeks. It's crazy.
1: That is insane.
4: Yeah. So how much weight did so you gain? You can gain? imagine, like, w- the, the team would come in and say, okay, let's all, you know, try this, uh, let's try this recipe. You know, we're going to make, uh, this d- you know, desserts today. And it was like, oh, my God, 20 desserts to sample. Because, you know, and, and it, it's a lot of fun, that book. I'm so glad you mentioned that book. I, that's definitely one of my faves.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I love that book. I mean, that is when I'm looking for something special to make for myself or I'm not quite sure what I want. You're, that is the book I will pull out and look through.
4: Oh, thank you. you know, I, thank you so much. It, it has yeah. gotten a and, lot and of And we, we decided to do it, too. Like, I decided to do it like a little Zagat guide because I said, like, you know, oh, one chef hat means it's really easy. Three means it's a little more complicated, you know, the different color code and stuff. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun to no, work on.
1: I love, I love that book. <laughs>
4: Thank you, thank you. But now, with, yeah. ev- with everything
1: that you do, Mary Lou, with the writing, with the speaking, you know, talk shows, hosting radio, television, film, is there any one thing, Broadway, is there any one thing that you are more drawn to than the other?
4: Um, well, first of all, I love Performing live, I love it. I do a club act i 'm doing it all over the country i'm about to do it in l a in august in October and in New York right after that. I love performing live. I love you know being on stage in Broadway and things like that but i love I love it all I love acting in it, you know for the camera too because it's so subtle, so much more subtle and and there's always that amazing challenge of uh you know you've got to like get your um, you know you 've got to get somebody who who uh You've got to do it in in a believable way, but you have to hit your mark, you know, and you have to. And there's so many choices, So, and your best one could end up on the cutting room floor because the light wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's things like that. So I like the challenge of that, and I love writing. I love writing. I love I love speaking. I like I love it all. Okay, what can I tell? You? I'm a girl from the Midwest who likes to do it all.
1: <laughs> and of course, I would be right. remiss not to mention dancing with the stars. I mean, you oh, did, my you, gosh. you didn't have a chance to have anything yeah. land on the cutting room floor there.
4: <laughs> no, it's live. And uh yeah. No, it's an interesting process because you're always my there's always a camera on you, and there's so many things that do happen in rehearsal that you think like, oh, why did they, why didn't they show that, or why didn't they show that, you know? But so you do have some cutting room floor. But in terms of out there in the competition, it's funny. I, I realized a lot about myself during that process because I, I think that I think of myself as I'm, I'm definitely a competitive person on game night, mm-hmm. but in terms of like uh, any kind of physical feat. I never had to compete for a phys- in a physical way. And so for me, it was more like a personal best thing, you know. But it's, it's funny. It was, it's, you enter, I mean, it is like you're in lockdown because you don't get a day off unless you ask for one, and, of course, you don't want one. And so the rest of the, rest of the time, you are just so focused on, on getting, uh, getting the job done and learning as much as you can and practicing as much as you can. So.
1: Well, I'm happy to. I'm happy to say that you got all my votes every single week until you got voted oh, off.
4: Thank you so much. Yeah, I made you know it's like the I made it through week nine and then yeah. was off for a week. Visited my son who was shooting that Netflix series in uh, Santa Fe and then uh, came back for the finale. So it was great. It was a great journey and I was very grateful for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun.
1: Oh, I thought you were. I just thought you you were so entertaining. Watching you was oh, so entertaining. Thank
4: you. Yeah, and that's something something going on. Well, and and I think
1: that it speaks volumes because everybody expects the youngsters to perform really well. You know, Uh the young talents and all. But when you get people to have a little more life experience behind them, you know, I think it surprises everybody that, hey, we're over 50. We can do something.
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. It's so funny because I just always feel like me. You know, people would say, "Well, you are—you know, yeah—I just feel like me. It's just the way it is." You know, I don't think of it as—I never think about getting old or age or or anything. That's so not the way I I live. You know, and it just—it's like—and you know what else? Though I'll tell you, I think a lot of it has to do with feeling healthy. You know, Mm -hmm. I—my parents both died in their fifties. My father died at fifty-two of a heart attack, Mm -hmm. and my mother died at fifty-eight of arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. She, her body was ravaged by rheumatoid arthritis. She was a dancing teacher. They, didn't, they couldn't even say this on Dancing with the Stars. They did talk about the fact that she, she passed away. But my mother was literally teaching dancing in December, went to bed with the flu in January. Uh, it was a brutal Chicago winter, so she went into the hospital in February. She had her leg amputated in April, and she died in May. Oh my so God. within five months, You know, within four months, she was teaching dancing and had her leg amputated, which is horrible, a horrible way for a dancer to go out. Uh So, you know, I got into health after my mom died. After my father died, I put on a lot of weight. I ate my feelings. And after my mother died, I said, it's not about my weight. It's about my health. And I just became this obsessed student of health. And I did everything from go-to medical libraries and doctors and nutritionists and the Bodhi tree out here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. a kind of alternative bookstore. I took human anatomy classes eventually at UCLA, and I learned everything I could about the human body and experimented on myself and my brothers and sisters. <laughs> and we've all outlived our parents now. We've all outlived our parents, and we're all in good health, so not good. It's, you know, well, I, know, I know that that was not the path we were headed on
1: you know and i have to say that a person i think you look and act more fabulous now and younger now than you did back at the height of your career with taxi and uh evening shade i mean it's amazing well you know
4: the thing the great thing about health the, the great thing is that every day you get better when you're healthy, you know, so time is really on your side. You know what I'm saying? If you start a healthy habit today, in a year, you're going to be even healthier than you are today. And look, that's a whole year of your life. Yeah. You know, and if you keep incorporating these little things along the way, it makes such a difference. So
1: well, what... I feel
4: good. I feel great. I'm with the love of my life. My boys are thriving. I have a fabulous extended family, and, you know, I love what I do, work-wise.
1: And you have a... And I'm talking to you. if oh, oh. <laughs> please. You have a wonderful new film coming out. You know, that's... Yes, that's. I'm
4: so excited.
1: I am... Yeah. It actually comes out next week on mm-hmm. the, what, 28th? 28th. 28th. July
4: 28th. Friday, July 28th. It's in 10 cities all over the country and adding more, and it's just... The, the 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 feedback has been amazing. The reviews have been great. It's been a festival darling, and now it's we get to share it with the world, and I'm so happy. And you're having
1: a small premiere on the 27th at the Lemley Monica.
4: Yes. So I hope that everybody comes, and you know, my, I'm excited because uh, my family hasn't really seen. My husband has, but my boys haven't. So, so they're going to come to see it. Yeah, for oh. sure.
1: Well, I think I I actually think that I am going to be there for the premiere oh, on Thursday. It's either Great. it's either be there or ironically they're having the Earth Fo- the first annual Earth Focus Environmental Film Festival kicks off at Paramount at the same time. Ed is one of the oh, wow. Ed is one of the hosts of that festival, but he apparently is not going to be at the festival opening night. He's going to be at the premiere of your film and then he's got a whole day next Saturday. During the Earth Focus Film Festival. so
4: Oh, cool. Just, That's great. Yeah, it's that, also a Hallmark night. They're doing the Hallmark for TCA that night, too. Oh. So it's just a busy time of year. I know, <laughs> I know, because otherwise Candace would come. But you know, the Hallmark thing. Well, unfortunately, yeah. we are almost
1: all out of time today, Mary Lou. This has been Uh-oh. just.
4: okay. Well, we'll have to do this again. This is so much oh, fun. Oh,
1: we have to. Definitely. We should do it again when you're getting ready for your show. Okay, great. Your live yeah, we'll show. do it in October. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mary Lou, thank you so much. And, again, everybody, see Mary Lou in this fabulous new film, Imperfections. And it is anything but. It is a perfect little darling film.
4: It's so great. I'm so proud of it. And I just think everybody in it is wonderful. It's like this little gem. (laughs) It is. It is.
1: Thank you, Mary Lou. And hopefully I'll see you next Thursday night. Okay.
4: Bye-bye. You got it. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: And that is, that was Mary Lou Henner. The film is Imperfections. Uh, It's in theaters next Friday, July the 28th. The premiere is Thursday the 27th at the Lemley Santa Monica. So if you're in Santa Monica, come on out and watch A Lovely Little Red Carpet with Mary Lou and Zach McGowan and Ed Begley Jr. That is all the time we have today. Ed Begley Jr. will be with us next week along with some other lovely individuals. And until then, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. (laughs)